This is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Larder Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Low jet excursion fare, palatial oceanfront hotel, now at reduced rates. Have yourself a go-go vacation at America's Riviera. It's National Airlines Miami Go-Go. At a go-go price, everyone can afford. Are we putting you on...
Oh, that was beautiful, John. Just beautiful. Huh? I was losing, man. What? He had me, man. He was pulling away from me just before he crashed. You're crazy. You saw it. No, you creamed him from right off the line. The guy never had a chance. Told the man had me. He was beating me. John, I don't know what you're talking about. It was the most beautiful thing I ever seen. That guy, he might as well go, he can get a wheelchair and roll himself home. Okay, listeners, welcome. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your host, Robert. Run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com. That's Tantalk1340.com. And you can see us live streamed on the internet around the globe in China, in the Mideast. I'm not sure. How about Mars? I got that rover running around up there. Hey, Bill, how you doing? You paying attention? Bill's over there. What you doing, brother? What you doing, brother? I'm on the phone here. I'm your guest. Yeah, the hoaxer was supposed to be on, but... I'm on uh, the phone, brother. I don't want to be down there looking at your face. <laughs> okay. But he took a rain check. He'll be with us in a couple of weeks, so we yeah, wish him the best sure of luck. Huh? Yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. Matter of fact, the Hulk is having his grand opening this week in the 27th down in Clearwater Beach, the Hulk's Beach Shop. Actually, Hulk Hogan's Beach Shop, okay? I was thinking, Hulk's Hoagies, because I'm always hungry. Hulk's <laughs> Hoagies. Okay, boy, we got a lot of stuff going on. Anyway, oh yeah, hey, make sure you check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, go to our podcast and check out our past shows. Go to Facebook and uh, like us on Facebook. And what else we got going on there, Billy? Billy, pay attention. Hello, hello. Oh, yeah, be sure to tune in the Artie Funny Man Fletcher Show following Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Artie's out there in the lobby. He's standing around. uh, Cedric, he's out there. Hey, Cedric, what's up, buddy? Three people in Palm Harbor listen to Artie's show. Three people. Wow. Can we get the same three listeners to listen to our show, maybe? You have uh, you have two listeners in Larghetto. In Larghetto. Rob, and who else? (laughs) And maybe one uh, one listener in Pineapple Park. Okay. Hey, let me tell you what's going on this week. Okay. Don't forget, this weekend, we've got the sister... The, 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 I'll get it straight. Anyway, down at Sebring, the oldest road race circuit in the United States. you got the Sebring Historic. This is the first time that they've actually put on their own event. Normally, they're put on by SVRA or HSR or some of the other racing organizations. So that should be a lot of fun. That's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, okay? Um, if you're into British cars, be sure and check out the British Car Show in Safety Harbor. Downtown Safety Harbor is completely blocked off. You'll have a ton of British cars. You'll have Triumphs. You'll have Jags, you'll have Heelys, you'll have Austin Minis, you'll have Sunbeam Tigers, you'll have just all kinds of cool stuff. So if you really like dig British cars, be sure and check out the British Car Show in downtown Safety Harbor. Also in Ocala this weekend, you got the Ocala Pumpkin Run. Now that's become an annual event. That was actually a pretty good show. They actually have that twice. I think they have it in the fall, and I think they have it in the spring. So be sure and check out the Ocala Pumpkin Run show. Uh, The big event next week is SEMA. It starts on Monday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. SEMA. The Special Equipment Manufacturing Association with... It is thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of square feet of all kinds of cool car stuff. Anything and everything you want that's produced in the world of aftermarket cars. Hey, what do we got going on there, Billy? I know you can put your mics on. You're up to something. What are you up to, Billy? Up to tricks? Okay, here we go. Anyway. What What were you saying? About SEMA, about the thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands. You want to keep saying thousands and thousands? How many square foot? How many square foot? Actually, it's I think it's close. It's a few million square feet. 
is what it is over I, there at the, the that, Las Vegas Convention Center. I mean, let's put it this way. It is so big that between that, the SEMA building, and where the APAC show is, which are just down the street from one so another. So you're going to have a thousand SEMA and a bunch of square footage. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Billy. I got that. <laughs> you set me up. Anyway. Okay, gotcha. What, you got me. Okay. Right over here with a nostalgic car. Touche. Touche. But anyway. I, got you, I got your song ready. You got my song ready? Okay, good. Anyway, and then don't forget, uh, the other big event that's coming up here in Florida is the PRI show, which is the first weekend in December, but more importantly, Festivals of Speed at the Ritz-Carlton. Now, that is a spectacular show. There are, will be cars, boats, and motorcycles there, state-of-the-art, high-end stuff that you know you only read about in the DuPont Registry or Rob Report or, or you even see on some of these really cool TV shows on Spike and Velocity and Speed Channel. But uh, that's definitely an event that you want to uh, participate in, not to mention there will be a regular car show, there will be judging, there will be entertainment. And it is going to be a huge, huge, huge venue. We got some stuff that we're working on behind the scenes that I'm kind of uh, indirectly involved with, but I'll keep you apprised as we progress. Hey, let's go ahead and let's hit the turntable, drop the needle in the groove, and let's go to this first song. I just, we'll I, just, I, I just did a commercial for Festivals of Speed, I think. Did you? Okay. Well, anyway, we'll be back. Hey, we got a real fascinating guest for you tonight. We got some interesting music. We actually have the two songs. This song's by uh, 12 Stones, and it's called... What's the name of the song? I can't remember now. The Way I Feel? The Way I Feel. Yeah, okay, this is a cool song. Hey, and then... Dennis Gage from the TV show My Classic Car, and you're listening to Nostalgic Ruby on Cars. Dennis Gage will be out there at SEMA. He will? Yeah, absolutely. You're going to have to come in here for a second.
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. TV.com. You're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Enjoy the show.
Hi, this is Norm Gravowski, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. You know what? It's been 39 years since American Graffiti hit the movie theaters, you know? And it was filmed basically in uh, Northern California, actually Marin County and uh, the neighboring county there over in Modesto, which is the actually the area that I grew up in as a kid. So I know that area real good. And that movie is just really, really dear to my heart. And it's very special and one of the favorite movies of our guest for tonight's radio show. And let me tell you about this guy. He's got his own TV show. Not only that, he's been in the car business for a long time. He's got his own custom cars that he's built. He's got a whole slew of them. You can go check out his website, which I'll, we'll give you that out in a few minutes. But uh, his TV show is on Spotify. Spike TV's Power Block, and it's a hit TV show called Search and Restore. It gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show this evening, Tim Strange. Tim, are you there? Yep, I'm here. How you doing? Pretty good. Hey, thanks for coming on this evening. How you, uh, how's, how's it going? Did you enjoy the show so far? Yeah, yep, pretty good. That's good. Okay, well, I played some songs for you. I know you like Social Destruction, and uh, that was kind of a cool group. I actually like them. That's, that's some cool music. Distortion. Distortion. I'm sorry. I'll be okay. <laughs> so, hey, give us a little background on, uh, on uh, Tim Strange. Now, you're from Illinois, right? Yeah, uh, originally from Illinois. Uh, kind of grew up around uh, hot rods and motorcycles. My dad always had a bunch of Tri Five Chevys and uh, had choppers, show choppers, custom bikes and stuff. Before he got into Tri Five Chevys, uh, he got rid of the bike so me and my sister could go along a lot easier. And uh, started working with him in the garage and learned how to do everything. Being farm kid, yeah, couldn't really afford to pay anybody to do anything for us. So we learned how to do it ourselves and even. Uh, before I had my driver's license, me and my dad was fixing up farmers' trucks and 
learning how to spray paint. And as soon as I turned 16, started working in a body shop right down from the high school and uh, did a lot of show Corvettes and stuff along with normal collision stuff, you know, a couple show car paint jobs and mild restoration stuff there. And started uh, doing some old cars and hot rod stuff on the side right away in my dad's machine shed. Uh, kept working on old stuff while I went, still worked at that body shop and uh, worked way through Auto Body College up in Iowa and worked at a couple Chevy dealerships real quick. And then when I built, uh, built a Chevelle, my high school transportation was a 64 Chevelle when I redid it. Uh, got it done when I was 19, took it to Super Chevy shows and Street Machine Nationals and won a couple national awards at a pretty young age. And then I started building a custom 54 Chevy kind of when the Pro Street craze was big. Uh, it was tub, but it was also like a custom. It was chopped and all kinds of body mods and everything done to it. That started hitting the magazines, and uh, I guess I haven't turned back ever since. Phone started ringing, quit the dealership, and been building hot rods and restorations and customs for people ever since. Did you feel that you had kind of a natural talent for it, or is it something you had to kind of work at a little bit? Well, I don't know. My my first boss, the body man, body shop, he said that I could pick up on stuff really easy. Uh, he was a really good painter, taught me how to paint and, you know, how to turn the gun down when you run out of materials and stuff like that huh. to save, save material. Um, my dad was kind of natural, and he could do anything that he wanted and, you know, kind of jack-of-all-trades type of thing. And, uh I don't know. I just kind of picked it up. I remember when I was building uh, my 54 Chevy, I built a full twin rail round tube chassis. I chopped it, hard topped it, you know, built all the A-arms because I didn't have enough money to buy a aftermarket suspension kit. Same with the rear four bar, built all that stuff from scratch. And I remember uh, one of my dad's buddies walked in with my dad one night when I was cutting and welding, and he looked at my dad and says, how does he know how to do that? And my dad looked at him and says, well, he's not smart enough to know he's not supposed to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't I guess I just wasn't scared to do it, but uh, I'm not sure if that's a compliment or not. But, uh, yeah, I just uh, I was never scared to tackle anything, I guess. The school up at, you said Iowa School of Body body Shop or whatever it was called, what was that like? What Tell us about that a little bit. Well, it was, uh, I actually lived uh, in Illinois, not far from, like, uh, the Quad Cities, like Moline, Illinois, Davenport, Iowa area, and uh, uh couldn't really afford to go out to uh, Wyoming. That was actually before it was Wildtech, but the same facility. Had a couple of buddies that went out there, but uh, the local area within a driver's driving distance uh, was up in Bettendorf, Iowa. Scott Community College had a really good auto body program, and uh, I guess the teachers kind of took to me and seeing that I really wanted to learn when uh, there was time during school to bring in your own class project. I brought my dad's uh, back half. 56 Bel Air sedan up and, you know, put quarter panels on it and built the wheel tubs and everything. So I kind of, I drove like an hour each way. So when I had to wait for math class, the teachers kind of stayed after and taught me how to lead and, you know, the stuff that they didn't teach in the normal curriculum during the day. And then the sheet metal guys over in the HVAC section took a liking to me and let me figure out how to run all the sheet metal tools over there. So I kind of got two or three schoolings for the price of one and Guess I was lucky that I had really good teachers. They could see that I wanted to learn instead of just you know normal hours and then leave. So that's cool. Did were some of it sounds like I mean if they taught you how to lead, sounds like some of them were uh, old school uh, body guys, metal beaters. Yeah, the 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 two instructors there, they actually still ran their own shops and you know did some old stuff and restorations and some British cars and stuff. The one instructor and uh, they 
said, hey, you want to stay after one night, and I'll teach you how to lead. And I was like, yeah. So we stayed after for about like a week that that time, and uh, they taught me how to lead, and I ended up actually leading a bunch of scenes and stuff on that uh, my dad's 56 Chevy. So Now, you uh, your website is Tim Strange, or Strange Motion Rod and Custom, right? Strangemotion.com. Or strangemotion.com. Okay. Tell us a little bit about your website. What If, if uh, our listeners go there and they start checking it out, what kind of stuff can they expect to find on your website? I've got it up here. I just pulled it up. But uh, tell our listeners. Um, it's got a little bit of everything on it. There's a root section that tells kind of my whole story about kind of what we've started t- talking about, you know, helping my dad and doing stuff and how long I've been around everything. And I actually bought my first car, 55 Chevy, when I sold my uh Old 4-H pigs, that whole story's on there. Um, there's a awards section, kind of a running total of stuff that we've major accomplishments we've got with some of our projects through the years. And Magazine Inc., we've been in over 250 magazines around the world, a um, bunch of ad campaigns for major companies. And there's a, uh, some projects on there of our major cars, uh, ones that's won national awards and stuff on there. You can click on them and... They'll tell you a little bit about them and bring up some more pictures. And there is also a merchandise site on there where you can buy T-shirts. Cool. And we yep. also have uh, another place that handles more of our clothing and jackets. Uh, actually, my wife's clothing company, MidwestClothingCo.com, that handles all of our merchandise and jackets and hats and T-shirts and all that stuff. That, that's uh, one good plus from being on TV that the T-shirt sales kind of go up when you're doing that. So. Well, that's good. Now, I'm looking at uh, on your website here, and you got this 41 Cadillac uh, convertible here, which is kind of a cool car. Just out of curiosity, and for our listeners' curiosity as well, how many hours does it take to really build a car like that? That's a cool rust well, mod. That one there is kind of a rare case. That was actually a famous Westergaard custom that was built in the late 40s. Westergaard was kind of the main metal guy on the West Coast, like actually before Barris mm-hmm. got known. And that was actually a Westergaard car that I did for a collector out of St. Louis that he is uh, actually has like 12 old Barris cars. And uh, he found that on the West Coast. So uh, that actually had, back in the, you know, the liftoff tops are kind of known as a Carson top. Right. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, there was Carson and Hall were actually two shops that actually had a Hall top on it and still had the original Hall badge on the metalwork. Um, so the top was mostly still savable we reworked some of the bows on it uh the full fadeaways on that was actually still on the car um we did a full frame off and then uh the customer wanted a few other things you know we kind of what you say over restore it but still he likes to drive his thing so uh you know painted the chassis and everything but you know cut and rub the firewall and bottom of the hood and all that type of stuff um but, you know, a, a normal project like that is, uh, you know, you're usually looking at about 3,000 man-hours to do something. Now, you know, a lot of our listeners, and myself included, you know, when you say 3,000 hours, that's a lot of time. Now, I know it's not 3,000 hours right after one right after the other, but that's a lot of time in the car, you know. Now, you start doing the math on that, and that explains why some of these cars end up being two, three $300,000, you know, when these projects are done, plus the cost of the car and 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 the materials as well so uh um, yeah it's 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 a little crazy and the cost of materials are just through the roof anymore to buy you know body and paint supplies and uh you know that car wasn't quite three thousand hours there was probably there's probably two thousand hours in that car um just 
saving all the old metalwork and fixing rust. And then, uh, you know, that, that was a 41 that had a 47 front end and a 48 back end put on it. Uh, like in 48 or 49, that car was customized. So it's quite a rare piece of history. The car was actually invited to go to Pebble Beach the year they did the custom display. Mm-hmm. And we were uh, working on it hot and heavy to get uh, the Pebble Beach deadline. And then the, the, uh, promoter the guy that's in charge of the hot rods and customs they pick each year he called and said uh well we haven't found any uh published pictures of that car in paint so it can't come with paint on it and we already had the car painted so uh the uh, customer had another famous bears car that he took that year instead so it's kind of weird how they pick all the pebble beach stuff it's uh it's a weird stuff that goes on out there yeah, but it's actually neat that they finally uh, uh, opened up the, um, the the classes so that the, these kind of rare classic hot rods can now you know be displayed over at Pebble Beach because now they they've got a broader venue which really appeals to a broader group of people besides the uh, you know the pre war classic high end stuff. Yeah, I think it's really neat they're opening that up to uh, you know different concours events, and I know uh, the Glenmore Gathering, which I believe is it in Ohio. Um, I got a good friend that does a reproduction tuckers, and they allowed this year they had tuckers on display, and they allowed him to bring one of his uh, fiberglass reproduction twin turbocharged hot rod tuckers. So it's really cool that a lot of these uh, concours, you know, the hot rod guys always thought of them as you know the button down collar stuffed shirt guys, but they're realizing the craftsmanship and the artisticness of all these hot rods, and you know, hot rods have been around for a long time, so it's not a flash in the pan. So they're finally opening their arms to it a little bit. It's pretty cool. Wow. So they're actually making a reproduction Tucker hot rod? Uh, yeah. Uh, got a it, friend, Rob Ida. Uh-huh. Uh, is it full Ida scale? Automotive Concepts, uh, Rob Ida Concepts out in New Jersey. Yeah. Might be another cool guy to you to talk to sometime. Sure. Um, Sounds like it. He's actually built the uh, movie cars for the Sin City, and he's building two of them right now for the Sin City 2 movie. Um, he does... Uh, reproduction tuckers. He does them in fiberglass and puts uh, Cadillac North Stars in the back. And pretty neat deal. Pretty good history. His uh, grandpa actually bought into one of the Tucker dealerships way back in the day. So pretty neat. Wow. Sounds like an interesting guy. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many cars have you had in SEMA over the years? And tell us a little bit what all is involved to get a car in SEMA. Um, <laughs> through the years, I think uh, I think I've been taking cars out to the SEMA show for. 14 years now, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and only two years I haven't taken the car. This is this year I'm not taking a personal project from Strange Motion. Uh, one of the cars from the show is going to be there. Um, we've built like 10 cars through the years for the OEMs where you get a brand new car from Chevy or Pontiac. We've done Saturns and Toyotas and Fords. Well, they uh, let different hot rod builders around the country kind of give their take on a modified version. And then we've also debuted a whole bunch of hot rods. Uh, a few of the years we've taken two projects out, which is a little overwhelming to have uh, more than one project out there. Um, to get into SEMA, um, you have to work with a company. It's not a normal car show. You just can't show up and pay your entry fee. Um, you either can go through a company that has a booth inside, that has a booth big enough, um, and you use their product and you can be in their booth in the building. Um, that's the easiest way to do it, easiest move-in. You don't have to wait in any two huge lines. Um, and they also have outdoor parking, which that's the same way you have to have a company that has an indoor booth, and then you pay a fee to them, and you have to have their product on that car to be able to be in the outside parking. And 
that's that's a experience that everybody in the hot rod world should experience once is bringing a car to SEMA because it's nothing like hurry up and wait. And uh, one year we waited in line, I think, 13 hours to get our parking spot. Jeez. So, now, yeah. what's the criteria and the quality level um, of the cars that show up at SEMA in your estimation? Um, there's some pretty good stuff. You know, all, a lot of the high-end hot rod builder guys, uh, they kind of pick that show to debut stuff. Or, if you know, if they've debuted them at the indoor show circuit, you know, whether Detroit or Pomona, um, it might be their last hurrah before they start driving it, you know, the next season. Um, a little bit of that goes on. I know quite a few people choose SEMA to debut their hot rods there and, uh, Levels pretty high on the high end hot rod stuff, and you know there's some stuff outside. You always kind of see that, uh, kind of figure how it got there, or you can tell that they're not quite done or rushing. You know, following all my hot rod builder buddies across the country right now, and their normal SEMA thrash is. Uh, kind of glad I'm not building a car to go to SEMA this year. That uh, one buddy just posted on his Facebook page that every 50 hours he sleeps five hours. Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, it's. It's 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 crazy with the uh, deadlines and especially with the OEMs. Some of the cars that I've got, the new cars, of course, you know, it's a new car that already fits and the doors closed and there's no rust in it. That uh, one year we had two and a half weeks to build a car. It was a a new production and they were late on getting them out. So it's always an experience building a car for SEMA. That's for sure. And last year I had two cars that went uh, 50 Chevy Fleetline and. Uh, did a brand-new Duramax four-wheel drive for Chevy and uh, hardly any sleep getting it done. And then we hopped in the truck and drove 30 hours straight there, did SEMA for a week and 30 hours back home straight through, and then I had to film on Monday morning. So. Oh, yeah, that brings us to the TV show. Tell us how the whole TV show came about for you. Well, it's kind of a weird deal. I'm a not a TV guy. I never really saw it, you know, set my goals to be on TV. Um, actually met. Kevin, Kevin Tate from uh, the Trucks TV show on the Power Block at SEMA a um, handful of years ago, and he invited me to, when they did an all-star body thrash, they invited like eight builders from around the country to do a bodywork and metal thrash on one of their shows, and it's kind of fun. I came and did it and stayed in touch with him and some of the other hosts there, and they come up with this search and restore show. It's kind of like an automotive version of Extreme Home Makeover, and... Uh, they called me up and flew me down for a screen test to Nashville, and I think they said they had uh, over a thousand applicants for the hosting job, and they had ten people come in for screen tests and sent them all into Spike TV, and I guess I got picked from there. Wow! So you never really go looking for something like this, but uh, still not sure if that's what I want to do. Uh, I'm still a hot rod guy; I love building hot rods the most, but you know. Just you don't get offered a TV show very often, so if I didn't give it a try, you'd always wonder what if. And sometimes uh, something like this opens a lot of other doors that you weren't ever expecting in the meantime. Now, do they uh, script you and uh, set you up in there, or do you? How much leeway do you have as far as uh, how the show show plays out? Um, I say they don't script me because they know I'm not smart enough to remember a script. Okay, um, <laughs> but that's uh, one of the things you know being around the. The hot rod world for as long as I've been, you know, building hot rods on full time for, you know, 18, 20 years now, along with growing up around it. I've got a lot of friends in the industry. Um, you know, I can 
talk about hot rods until I'm blue in the face without even thinking about it. And uh, so my show is more of a, I don't really want to say reality-based, but, you know, it's not a scripted show. Yeah, sometimes we have a little bit of info we kind of have to read over when we're uh, plugging a major sponsor because the way my show works, everything on the show is donated. Um, You know, we can get a hold of some, you know, little things, but everything from an aftermarket chassis, if that's what I choose the build to have, to a fuel-injected crate motor, to wheels, tires, paint, um, everything has to be donated, and we pick, uh, we build the car in four four weeks, and each week is basically an episode, so there's a lot more building and a little bit more techie stuff um, than a lot of the automotive shows that build cars kind of quick, um, because You've got a half. You basically got two hours worth of show to also tell the family story, which is pretty good. You know, I get a lot of comments from families that you know, oh, their dad used to watch the Power Block, and oh, we didn't watch it. Well, now you know the kids like it, and the wife likes it, or the whole family likes it because there's more of a story to follow along with. With you know, sometimes we choose some sad or touching stories, like the first build to kick off the year. Last year, which we're in our second season now, was a 67 Chevy 2 for a guy that dated his wife in the car in high school. And then she got sick when she was pregnant with their third baby. Um, They saved the baby, and they lost her to cancer. And we went in and uh, got his car and restored it for him. We hot-rodded it a little bit and, you know, made it more usable in aftermarket suspension and big brakes and, you know, decent motor and everything. And we've built... uh, Pretty good stories, off-road Jeep. A guy out of Louisiana that volunteers all of his time at a special needs off-road camp for handicapped kids and takes them off-road and ATV in. And uh, we did a military veteran last year for a Mustang. Uh, this year we did a 55 Chevy handyman wagon, which was the most extensive build to date. They were in four weeks. We put 3,500 man-hours in the car. Um, it was rusty beyond belief. Um, the story was really pretty cool. Um, guy was an ex-BMXer, and I, I'm still a BMXer now. Uh, and then he got into motocross and got paralyzed, and uh, he didn't give up. It's pretty, you know, yeah, we're helping this guy out with his car, but he already had the car tore apart up on a, like a jig. The floor's cut out, and it was just like, if somebody would have brought that car in your shop, you probably would have threw it away. But he wasn't giving up on it like he never gave up on everything in his life. So we saved his car, and that's the car that's going to be at SEMA. Um, it, it was so rusty, we had to put eight pillars in the car and patch the roof and full floors. And we put an aftermarket chassis and had to build a firewall and cowl because it was so rusty. And we put a swivel seat in it and hand controls and an LS3 crate motor. I mean, it's... It's a cool hot rod, and, you know, aftermarket interior, full street rod. That's the way the show works is each week we get, like, 10 to 12 volunteers to come in around the country from guys that I know or that email me. Um, so we'll get metal guys week one and body week. We get all, you know, body work specialists, and then third week is paint, polish, and start assemble. And then, you know, assembly guys the week four, and in the meantime in there we have custom interior guys that come in and build the interior and they come in out and sometimes they build it there and sometimes they take it back to their shop and I mean we're building really that's one thing I I want these cars to be something that's not just a TV car they're legit hot rods they're 
gapped and fit and cut and rubbed and, you know, is not only do I want to be proud of it, but these guys, these volunteers, they do it, you know, their own money. They travel, they put themselves up in a hotel, they feed themselves while they're here, and when they see that, when I when they go out in public and they see that vehicle, I want them to be proud of what they worked on instead of ashamed, oh, that's just a TV car, and that's, you know, you know, I'm proud of the level of the cars that I put out of Strange Motion. I want the same thing with the Search and Restore show. It's kind of up the level. You know, a lot of TV cars don't have a, a good rap for what they look like when they come out of being built on something TV. And uh, I'm trying to change that with the Search and Restore show. We're putting out pretty high-quality pieces. That's super. That's commendable. Let me ask you a question. Is it true now you, that you, you were originally out of Illinois, and now the TV show is based in Nashville? You relocated your shop, Strange Motion, now to uh, Nashville area? Yep, yep. Middle Tennessee. The shop's just uh, south of Nashville a little bit. Uh, the TV studio's on the south side of Nashville. Um, so we moved down here. We was always wanting to move away from the snow. Um, and actually, Nashville was one of our top three towns that we wanted to move the shop to. And that's another thing when the TV thing came up, uh, moving to Nashville seemed like a no-brainer. So been down here uh, almost two years, and we really still enjoy it a lot. Well, that worked out real good for you then, didn't it? Yep, yep. Now, projects, what are you working on yourself, and what do you? what is kind of like uh, your thing? I mean, if you had to say, hey, look, if I want to build a car, my thing, the way I want to do it, how often do you get to do that? Um, well, I did the 50 Chevy Fleetline kind of as a cool driver car. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of had it looking like it was done last year for SEMA. Um, that was a car that I built for myself. Um, it's kind of traditional hot rod. You know, a lot of people think a Chevy Fleet line is going to be a custom lead sled. Um, this has kind of got a hot rod rake, big and little tires, uh, real rotters, wheels that look like a Halibrand wheel. Um, but it's got like a takeout, you know, recycle a little bit, go into the junkyard and got some uh, S10 front suspension and Z'd it. It sits really low with no air ride and bench seat and some custom panels that uh, friend Jamie Jordan from Mississippi, Handmade Sea Company, made for the, the side door panels. Um, stock fuel injection, but I made a whole bunch of sheet metal covers that kind of hide all the ugly plugs and vacuum lines and everything. And so it's really, really different engine compartment. I used the old oil bath air cleaner off the inline six and made the, the mass air sensor hidden up in there. And it's pretty custom. And I'm actually just finishing that now. I sold it, so now I'm just finishing getting it running and getting all the little stereo stuff wired in it. And then I also have a 59 Ford retractable kind of mild custom in here. Um, my, I like to work on a little bit of everything. If it's an interesting project um, for an interesting person, um, kind of kind of weird. Uh, I don't work on anything that comes to the door. If I get a weird vibe from somebody, I really don't want to. You're going to spend a lot of time and a lot of hours and a lot of conversations and time in the shop and at events and stuff. You really want to get along with these people. So if the people are weird to start with, uh, they're probably not going to build them a car. But uh, kind of my favorites are lead sleds and customs and like that that Cadillac that we were talking about earlier. I love stuff like that. Um that market's a little bit smaller, so I mean, I still love pro tour cars and muscle cars, and love street rods, and kind of probably wish I would. If I had my way, I wouldn't work on anything newer than, you know, late fifties. Probably I love thirties, forties, and fifties stuff. But, uh, the market's kind of switching to you know pro tour and muscle cars because uh, 
that's the guys that have the money now and that's what they're into you know like people that are spending money on hot rods now they grew up you know they wanted a 69 camaro or uh you know whatever 60s muscle car and now with all the fuel injection and pro tour engine suspension swaps it's uh pretty easy to build something like that now i'm checking out the 63 falcon uh Futura here that you got. That's a pretty wicked piece with that uh, Franklin suspension in it, Franklin rear end in it, ladder bar suspension, and quasi yeah, two chassis. That was a, a neat piece that we built uh, for a client that uh, he kind of let me run with it. He says, Here's the car I want to do. Do it as your own. And uh, that's what I came up with. You know, those old Falcons are a unibody like a Mustang. And basically just use the skin off of that car. Um, took all the floor out, and I built a tri-rail round tube chassis. Um, I love building round tube chassis and put a four bar underneath of it and custom tubular independent Mustang two-based front with coilovers and sway bars. And that thing was built to go a little bit of indoor stuff. So all that chassis work, all that tubes and notches underneath that thing was all body worked and smoothed and wet sanded and painted and uh, the floor to make it strong. Since it was a unibody, I built it like an old old early eras uh, indie car when they built them like a monocoque mm-hmm. substructure. All the floor and everything was double walled. There was thin gauge tubing with thin gauge steel top and bottom on it. Um, and everything was double walled. So when you looked up underneath, you couldn't see any wires, all the brake lines, everything was all hidden inside the double wall of everything. Um, then it took a 2002 Cobra uh, Mustang motor with a pro charger and intercooler. You know, I had big brakes and quick change rear and uh, put some really cool little ideas in there. Uh, since I'm a BMX racer, uh, it's got old bear trap, grippy, uh, actually bicycle pedals for the throttle pedal and the brake pedal. That's and cool. I reconfigured some BMX billet aluminum handlebar stems to hold the fuel cell in that I made custom. And the radiator mounts were bicycle parts, too. So kind of neat little pieces that... Uh, Nobody, unless you're a BMXer, knew what those pieces were off of. So, How many hours in this car? Um, there was probably close to 4,000 hours in that car. Amazing. Yeah. And how much engineering? I mean, because, you know, it's, it's I mean, I'm looking at this thing. I'm extremely impressed. I mean, there was a lot of thought and a lot of uh, work that went into this car. This thing's an amazing piece. I mean, it's, it looks engineered, you know. It doesn't look like your typical custom car. Yeah, I mean, when it's sitting in an outdoor show, it kind of looked like, oh, somebody built a, a Pro Tour, you know, Falcon. It's kind of cool, but uh, we showed it at Detroit at the Autorama and up in the air with mirrors and everything underneath of it. So before it started getting driven, you know, people could appreciate all the, the work and the thought and the craftsmanship that went into it. And, yeah, it, was, it wasn't definitely uh, an off-the-shelf throw some out-of-the-box parts on that thing. Uh, it was a lot of... Everything was handmade, you know, from the inner wheel fend- wheel tubs in the front to the full floor pan, you know, the fuel cell. There wasn't a whole lot of off-the-shelf parts on that thing besides, you know, transmission, motor, rear end, and brakes. Wow, it's amazing. Uh, just to back up a second here, um, the car that you built for the, uh, the gentleman that was paralyzed, will that be at SEMA this year? Yeah, yeah. Where, um, is, whose booth is it going to be at? It will be in the Ron Francis wiring booth. Okay. Um, Is that in the main hall? Yeah, that's in the, they're usually towards the back of the main hall, kind of behind the main wall for the Chevy display. 
Okay. Usually back over in there. Okay. Um, it'll be in their booth the, the whole week. Um, uh, it's actually on the way there now. It got picked up yesterday in the transporter and on the way. So. Wow, that's good. That's good. Yep. Um, your BMX background. Now we got a few minutes left. Here. I think we get like three or four minutes. But tell us, can you sum that up for us a little bit? How'd you get into BMX racing? Because you're, you're um, still involved in it. I started BMX racing when I was like 13 years old and okay. uh, raced quite a bit when I was younger. I was state champion when I was 16. Um, kind of met my wife through her brother and cousin that raced at the BMX track. and We started dating a handful of years after that. Um, kind of took a handful of years off, you know, to build the shop and get the shop going. And now we kind of got back into it. Uh, it was a little bit of a break because I'm normally 12 14 hours a day every day of the week whether i'm filming or in my shop and so we started a factory level bmx team we've been running that for oh i think six years now um my wife races i race i i kind of ride just for the fun of it don't really train and i'm not an expert anymore and my wife takes a little more serious and we got a really good factory level team based around the midwest that uh we probably got 10 riders will be in the top 10 national ranking. My wife's actually sitting national number four for her category right now. So it's something that we really enjoy. And it's kind of crazy. A lot of hot rod builders my age around the country that I've become friends with, they kind of grew up around uh, BMX also. And some of the guys that work at different magazines grew up racing BMX. And some of the drag racers used to race BMX that I know. It's kind of a weird little community. And not only can you talk about cars, but you can talk about bicycles too. So, is there like an age limit or a class? I mean, when you get older and you're, let's say you're, I don't want to say senior, but let's say you're in your forties, and uh, I mean BMXing is it, uh, which is bicycle motocross, basically is what it stands for. Uh, yeah, right? yeah. Um, the the last age cut on the twenty four inch cruiser bikes at the nationals is sixty one and over now. So uh, there was a guy that the east coast regional championship he was 78 years old and he's out there riding and he's been riding longer than i have so huh. hey doesn't uh, go too fast and doesn't leave the ground anymore which i don't try to leave the ground anymore either but uh it's just something to do you uh you usually race the people in your you know age class and your skill level so it's uh not like t-ball or soccer and you know you don't sit on the bench and bmx everybody gets to try okay hey i think we got a phone call here from somebody that might know you hang on a second here billy who is it it's tim's dad tim's dad tim's dad welcome to the show welcome to the nostalgic radio cars thanks hey, hey i just wanted to call and say go ahead you guys can he talk builds those things he builds them himself he just lays them out on the floor and puts them together tim's dad sounds like my dad is your dad from ohio no he's uh still in illinois up there he's uh he's the one that taught me how to work and got me into the cars and uh he uh, works harder than anybody I know. He drives an hour to work and works about 70 hours a week at a factory and runs 450 acres of farm, too. So, Well, my dad's from Ohio, and he worked for the phone company, but he talks like your dad. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> well, yeah, anyway. We get her done, don't we? That's right. Well, Tim's dad, I'm sure you're real proud of your son, Tim, because he's, uh, he's a, a national celebrity now, you know, on TV and built some of the finest cars and does an amazing uh, array of charity work for some of these people. That's great. Yeah, well, I was proud of him long before that. Well, that's good. That's so, good. Uh, he's a pretty good boy. I just wanted to tell him hi, and I'm proud of him. Well, thanks for tuning in. So uh, you got the show on, on the Internet up there, right? Yeah, my wife figured it out. I'm not too good on it, so. <laughs> okay. Well, I was telling Tim yeah, earlier. My parents finally hit technology this year they finally got the internet so <laughs> yep first year well that's great well we're just about out of time i want to thank my guests this evening 
Tim Strange, host of Spike TV's Power Block hit TV show, Search and Restore. I want to thank Tim's dad for calling in. That was kind of nice. Give his son a big compliment there. And I want to thank you for tuning in all the way from Illinois up there. And, uh... Well, anyway, Tim, I want to thank you for coming on as a guest here on Nostalgic Radio Cars. Everybody else, I want you guys to tune into Nostalgic Radio Cars next week. Stay safe, drive carefully, love your family, and we'll see you at the British Car Show this weekend or at the Seabrook Historics, one of the two. All right? 